Welcome to Bounty Hunters Guild, the Mandalorian podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, joined by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Baby Yoda. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That's my review. The great uniter. That's all Baby I have to Yoda, say. The great uniter. Baby Yoda. Everyone loves Baby Yoda. Trump voters, Bernie voters, Hillary but like if you whatever you whatever you like in the world, Baby Yoda is is pure good and represents everything that you are, have always been all about your whole life wrapped in the Somebody one said uh somebody on Twitter said Baby Yoda is like minions for millennials and I fucking hate them for saying that but it's also kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of, of the minions, um, remember remember a long time ago when I was working at the State Department, I told you how there was this guy who was like the most obnoxious fucking caller I ever had that called yeah. in. It, 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 well, it was that guy. It was the guy that does the voice for all those fucking little sh- extremely annoying fucking oh, characters. Oh yeah, yeah. You told you told me about. This. I did you tell you about that. About yeah, I I, so I never I don't remember what his name was, but he was made it at least four or five times during the call. He referenced the fact that he was the guy that does all the voice acting for that, for all those little fucking monsters. And I'm just what like, range? I <laughs> don't care. I, and I was do I was trying so hard just to like focus on whatever the fuck the call was about, whatever it was about his passport. He's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shut up, God. Did he do any of the voices for you while you're on the phone with him? <laughs> or he just kind of naturally talks like that. No, no, like no. That? He he does. He does. He like found his niche, and this is a character he's perfected for decades, probably, and annoyed all of his friends with. Uh, so yeah, like half the time he's talking, he's talking like that. Like, hi, I bet you can't guess who I am. Ah! He's like, uh, I I know who you are. I have all your information on my screen. <laughs> you're like, I, I want I want to kill myself right now. Yeah. No. Um. Like yeah. worse so, than the woman who called in because the the cartels had chopped her sister's hands off, and she oh had to God, travel. To, like this this call was worse than that, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, yeah. So of course we're here to review the um, final episode of the first season of The Mandalorian. Just an unbelievable episode universally loved i have not seen a bad thing said about this episode um and in a week where we got the rise of skywalker which you know fans of this show uh if you haven't checked out our rise of skywalker podcast uh we did a you know three and a half hour review of that movie um and we disagreed pretty you know pretty significantly on on our opinions of that movie and and the fandom in general is pretty much split right down the middle on this movie um you know for sure so it's it's uh in in a time where star wars is incredibly divisive uh mandalorian is is kind of the great uniter right now that like nobody fucking dislikes for now for now now. (laughs) but they've made a new thing that people love so when when you know the train comes back into the station five six seasons down the road and whatever way they decide to end this series people will again of course hate it because it's not what this doesn't match their head cannon doesn't match yep. the way that they wanted it to turn out and they're incapable of experiencing star wars as entertainment or game of thrones as entertainment or any franch big huge franchises entertainment if it doesn't end the way that they would have done it right if if that's what you want then just write your fan fiction that's fine but don't fucking yeah. get on youtube and like the, you know, this is how John Favreau destroyed Mandalorian. You know, it's just, it's good. You know, it's going to be that way when it finally happens. SJW. <laughs> I told you about that. That one fucking one of those real like thinly veiled like MRA type 
like you know comic book show reviewers was like well they you know they uh mandalorian brings sjw politics and when uh they introduced cara dune who was a character that was female and and like <laughs> uh, beat people in fights like i guess i don't know you just these people are fucking insufferable but um, we're in the Halcyon days right now. Let's enjoy it while we can until until we develop into this super toxic fandom. And look, guys, I'm right with you in terms of like, you know, I would love to see the show go in a million different directions. I've ta- I've joked before <laughs> on the show about how great it would be if, you know, if if Yo- if he if Mando trains Yoda uh, in the ways of the Mandalorians, and so he's got this kind of fusing of like, you know, the Mandalorian. Uh, Credo and the Mandalorian fighting skills with his Jedi uh, force sensitivity would be unbelievable. And now with the introduction of the Darksaber, that's, which is something we'll talk about on this podcast, that would be an incredible um, blending of those two, you know, formerly warring tribes. So that's, that's an interesting way for them to go. But if they don't go that way and they do something else good, I'll fucking enjoy that just as much. Like I don't, you know, but and again, we're we're early on in the show, so we don't have to worry about that for for a couple seasons at least. Um, uh, yeah, I you know just this this episode was incredible. This season was incredible. I was talking to somebody the other day about it, and you know I I think we we've at times just because we've been so hyper focused on each episode, reviewing each episode, um, we've uh, I think there's a tendency to think that the season was up and down. Because like, oh, well, there were some great episodes and there were some like whatever episodes. This is a mostly unimpeachable season of television. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day because I was thinking like, how could you cut out unnecessary crap to make like a movie about just the main arc of the Mandalorian and not the and not the standalone stuff? So I was like, all right, well, obviously you have to. My initial thought was like, okay, well, it would be episodes one, three, seven and eight. But then I was like, well, you know, but in two, they introduced the fact that Baby Yoda has force sensitivity, which is huge reveal and hugely important to the rest of the story. And, that and the rhinoceros. And the rhinoceros. And the mudhorn. Yeah, it was. Sigil doesn't mean shit, right? Yeah, so Signet. And there, there really is just one episode where it's just like, episode five. There except for the last like five seconds, you're kind of like, Ooh, was that, was it, was it? Yeah, and exactly. Like, you really, you could, you could have had that be in any other episode. That could have been at the end of eight after the credits, honestly. And that would have been fine. Right. Um, but, but again, yeah. So other than episode five, almost every episode of the show was essential and, and, you know, great uh, to, to varying degrees. I mean, episode six was fun. Didn't really have a ton of movement uh, story wise, but it was really fun and a nice diversion. Like if, if you took five and six out of the season, that's like an, that's like a perfect season of television for this type of show. I mean, I, you know, uh, and, and for my money, this episode was the single best hour of star Wars, anything that Disney's produced since taking over the, the, um, the IP and, you know, and I've enjoyed, you know, I've been vocal about how much I enjoyed last Jedi. I loved rogue one. I enjoyed, uh, solo more than most people um but for my money this is the best hour of of uh star wars that disney's produced since taking over the property so i i mean i you know i just can't say enough about how good this episode was and the themes that they you know touched on and the amount that they made you feel for characters that are uh, you know only given as much screen time as as a character in any one star wars movie you know cumulatively but they do such good work with them that you can't help but, you know, feel for these characters. So 
You know, what were your thoughts on no, the finale? They all they brought it all together too. I mean, yeah. they did a little bit of that in the last episode. You kind of like, you know, these people are meeting each other for the first time. We've all met them, you know, little, the solo episodes with which each of them, <clears throat> uh, and it's you know just they the baby Yoda is what brings them together. You know, even if uh, like Cara Dune doesn't do children, like she still gets one over eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, it's it's. You know, they we we left it on a cliffhanger, right? So you don't have to really recap anything. It's right into it. You know, right into it. Yeah, and, and of course we were all were like, "Well, fucking IG Eleven's got to do some shit, right?" And I I kind of thought like, "Oh, he's gonna fly the ship in. He's gonna like bring in the fucking heavy guns and uh, doesn't." And we get that amazing extended uh, you know banter scene with the two scout troopers. So you think it's just gonna be like a, a a little little aside, and then it turns into like a whole scene. Uh, and you know, of course there's, there's like, they're cops basically. They're just like a couple of fucking asshole cops Jason who can't shoot shit. Uh, I, I love when he, when he, you know, after trying several times to shoot the little, whatever it was on the ground, he like shakes his fucking <laughs> gun, it rattles, you know, like, and it, and it, like rattle. Well, it's, it's almost like, you know, when you, when you fucking play video games and you keep fucking missing, you're like, what the fuck? It's gotta be your controller, dude. Yeah, your yeah, controller's yeah. busted. <laughs> It's like, yeah, dude, you just suck. It's like it's, it's this thing; it must be broken. It's so important that they use like uh, a like a spray paint can, like like rattle noise when he like shakes his blade. It's yeah. just so fucking funny. <laughs> Such great a bit it was of bully, uh, intro, like yeah, into well, that. And you're also it's 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 that it's this, this extended comedic moment. Um, and then you know, Baby O gets gets punched in the head oh, three times, and you're like, you fuckers. motherfuckers. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, you're you're you have all this tension because it, while these guys are just sitting there not doing anything, uh, you know, the heroes they're they're not showing them. And you're like, what's what the fuck is happening down with the with the main you know mm-hmm. the A plot yeah, yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so they do a great job of really stretching out the drama. Uh, the probably the only quibble I had with this episode was that you know here's this guy this this Gus Fring character uh, who who's so impatient he'll just shoot people on his side if they're in the way um, but, but then the tells down. the heroes they have till sundown to like make a decision <laughs> it's like no, so, no, no 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 that doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> apparently so uh, apparently uh, th- there's some uh, uh, canon reason for this because <laughs> no pun intended, but the uh, the cannon that like the turret gun that he sets up uh, in canon, it literally takes that thing two hours to fully like heat up and charge. It's a really slow process, apparently, for that cannon to actually be workable. And this is like before that's it's stupid. No, it, it's that, that's so stupid. <laughs> you could fucking flip a switch and blow up a planet. Come on. Well, it's it's, it's uh, a thing they've established yeah. in Star Wars before. So if if you know, they they might have chose that weapon for that reason to give the characters time. But that turret gun actually does take an extremely long time to warm up in order to be usable. So that I think that was the Mando re- seemed fine shooting that thing. Well, it was warmed up Just at picked that. Picked it up. Or, and, well, I guess it wasn't even warm. But uh, a few minutes. Whatever it, it it was like the only quibble I have, so I, I just want to get yeah, it out of the way. Absolutely, because um, um, they, you know, really when 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 these two assholes are are done fucking up, Baby Yoda, um, who you kind of wonder like, well, if Baby Yoda could like force choke someone to death on a whim over you know uh, arm wrestling, like why doesn't he fucking do that to these two assholes? Yeah, he has a little <laughs> head covered with the uh, with the satch the satchel yeah, bag. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I don't know, think he knows what he's doing though either. Yeah, he just does like instinctually, you know. 
yeah, yeah. And he probably doesn't, you know, he's, he's disoriented because he doesn't know where he is. Whereas before, he's, he's on yeah. the ship, he's familiar, knows where he's, he's concussed. Here, he's, he's all punched low. like five times by this fucking mook, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, when, when IG shows up, uh, yeah, he fucking just like breaks oh, the guy's so arm, like, like Jean Claude Van Damme style, just he snaps the guy's <laughs> fucking hand and wrist, and, you know, conceivably like dislocates his entire arm the way he flips him around like that and then the other guy just like smashes his fucking head speeder into the, into so good speeder bike until it's broken <laughs> got a big his brain was probably liquefied you know that. he was very terminator in this episode and of course when we talk about the the, the end of this episode it, it was another obvious ter- terminator homage which i think helped play into our uh, affection for the character um but yeah why don't we start going through the episode because there's a lot of great scenes to talk about and uh we're already basically doing it. So let's, let's go through the episode. So <clears throat> yeah. So obviously this incredible opening scene with the scout troopers and uh, Adam Pauly and Jason Sudeikis were the two uh, stormtroopers, both, you know, pretty famous comedian actor type dudes. Uh, Jason Sudeikis was on SNL. Uh, he, he was actually the Biden on SNL for a, a bunch of years. He's, he's not bad. He's pretty funny as far as oh, SNL yeah. people go. And they were, they fucking, were hilarious in this scene this is just such a funny this is like what john favreau really brings i think to the episode he wrote this episode and this is like very much favreau's sense of humor especially if you've seen like uh you know like swingers and shit like like the 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 dialogue is very it almost felt like swingers-esque to me you know like it just had that yeah yeah well it, it it's it's like seemingly pointless banter but really quickly you can see there's something behind yeah, yeah. it Right. Like these guys are they're bored and they're assholes and they're but they're still curious about like what this thing is, even though they have no respect for it whatsoever. Right. Like that's just that's like such like a like bully cop mentality, you know, that comes through with these two guys. That's like this is this isn't this is not Finn. Right. Like this is your typical you know, asshole yeah. that, that enjoys, uh, they, they, know, they probably enlisted. They probably weren't conscripted. <laughs> they're just, you know, cops that were, you know, enlisted. into the- Right. Well, and I love that when they're commenting on Gus Fring killing his own men and he's like, I get it. I get that message you're trying to send, you know, you gotta like, he, he's like totally rationalizing his, his, his comrades being yeah, yeah. murdered by the boss. Cause he's like one of those guys that eventually wants to be the boss. You know, I, I love that, that those little bits of dialogue that, that humanize them, but you know, not in a yeah, good way. Negative humanize them. Yeah, no. And, and, and of course, you know, I, he punches baby Yoda, just, just absolute unforgivable sin. And everyone immediately was just like this motherfucker needs to die painfully. Um, and then, ig you know obliges us uh or so we assume if they're not dead they're they're maimed pretty severely um oh yeah no and then of course the the, the great line you know i'm sorry you had to see that oh that was so <laughs> like, so great i taika watiti fucking killed it in this episode with his voice work just everything he does is so good in this episode um and i, I believe he directed this episode as well uh which yeah yeah and it was great because you know so many of these episodes have been so varied in their style uh and and tone that you know it was great to kind of see like this episode match the tone and quality of the stuff that uh, deborah chow had done um and and really proved that like they can you know they can hand it off back and forth and you you kind of can't tell yeah right like with with some of the better directors they've had on the show like i i can't wait to see what she does with with the obi-wan oh, series so but 
you know, if they can have, you know, they can have multiple directors come in and still do this good a job on it. Um, and, you know, that, that, that bodes And Taika well. Waititi is just an incredible comedy director. I mean, he's done some of, like, he, he can work in genre and, and kind of really elevate genre films like he did, of course, Thor Ragnarok, which is far and away i for me like the best marvel movie you know i mean obviously people say oh endgame or infinity War. like those are fine they're fun i enjoyed them but like at the end of the day they're kind of empty calories to me like thor ragnarok's like a just genuinely fucking hilarious comedy that happens to be you know about one of the marvel characters it's it's the best standalone oh, film yeah yeah. Absolutely. yeah and and it's so colorful it's, it's just, just fun. like in like the art design fun uh it's hilarious and they really you know developed like hey here's the here's how far we can go with the comedy right because like like the first two thor movies aren't that good but the best things about it is uh is the comedy there's just not enough of it because they thought like well you can't really push that stuff it's like no that that he found yeah fucking hensworth is really good at (laughs) no chris hensworth is really fucking good at that yeah uh, yeah yeah well also I, i mean i don't know if you saw um Bad times at the El Royale. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great in that too. Yeah, he's he's so menacing in that, uh, and it's it's you watch it, and it's like uh, Chris Hemsworth is playing uh, like a, a Jim Morrison, but he's playing Jim Morrison as Chris Pine playing Jim mm-hmm. Morrison. If you watch it real close, and like I watch, it, I was like, he looks just like Chris Pine. This is like he they you know whole mustache and uh, darker hair and everything too but uh all right tangent that's <laughs> uh, what we do that's what we do um but yeah and taika and again taika did jojo rabbit which you absolutely loved i still need to see um oh god yeah it, it and I, I guarantee if he hadn't made thor and made a billion dollars then his elevator pitch of his elevator pitch of like hey i want to make a comedy about a kid whose imaginary friend is hitler <laughs> <laughs> which is like it's a tough, it's nobody, a tough sell for for hollywood for sure hollywood's still largely directed by people like steven spielberg who have a lot of clout and uh, don't like jokes about the holocaust yes, so yeah. to make a comedy to make a dark comedy but also a very warm uh, <clears throat> moving dark comedy about uh, about uh, well i mean it's really not about the holocaust it's about uh you know the world war ii and how it affects this kid who's in the Hitler youth, who's like 10 years old, who doesn't really understand like what's going on. Right. So you see everything through the eyes of this kid uh, who emulates Hitler. But like the the qualities that they were all sort of propagandized on. Right. Uh, and it's only when he kid finally sees like the real atrocities that you're kind of like, oh, OK, this kid's going to have to deal with that mm-hmm. now. Uh, and there's still going to be jokes. <laughs> right. So uh, amazing direction that you, a guy like that could do that. Uh, and then do, you know, this episode and, and get the comedy right, too. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, of course, what we do in the shadows, tremendous fucking, uh, like, very British satire. It's it's about, you know, it's it's basically shot like a like a reality show documentary about, like, like British dudes living in a, a living in a flat together. But yeah. it's they happen to be vampires, <laughs> except for one guy. It's, it's so fucking funny. Like, highly recommend. Um yeah. Very, very droll, droll very, very British, droll. very like. Even though he's, not, I don't think he's British. It's just very British sensibility, though. Like the the comedy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, originally from New Zealand. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's that explains the the the, the Kiwi the Kiwi voice. Um, yeah. Yep. So, uh, 
uh, yeah, yeah I, I like that they made uh, that stormtroopers can't shoot uh, a cannon now. <laughs> they they actually canonized that because that's obviously you know the the longest running Star Wars joke is that they have the worst name in the world. Um, yeah, so Baby Yoda bites him. So he does he does do something to defend himself. He does bite him when he puts his finger in, the, right. uh, which also which causes him to really like viciously punch him. It's not just like a little he like fucking like steps into it. It's like you fucking pr- like that was the that was, and that's funnily enough you mentioned that there were cops that actually felt like a very cop moment where they were joking around but then he immediately becomes like a fucking savage like and like you know really like punches him like he's punching like a like a grown man in a fight kind of thing so I, it it, right. it felt like very it got real real in that moment and that's of course when ig 11 the nurse droid shows up to uh protect his to protect his his you know his his uh his his baby whatever you want to call him um well it, and it's great because we you know like a real nurse droid would probably take uh baby yoda back to the ship right but he's still got his some of his hunter killer instincts where he's like well he's not going to be safe until i kill all of them yeah. so we're gonna get on this fucking bike and i'm gonna ride into town and i'm gonna fucking slay motherfuckers <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, um, so yeah, Mando uh, and company are still trapped um, in that uh, in that kind of like you know cantina room, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, Gideon is outside with his uh, posse, and they're you know. Uh, he, he gives him that ultimatum like you know you have till sundown because I, I think at that point they've gotten word that the baby has escaped or that you know that they no longer have the baby so he needs their assistance in getting the baby back otherwise he would just go in there and kill them right away um it, yeah again it doesn't make sense that he would waste any time right like even if he knew they couldn't you know they had no way out you know why why hesitate um i did like the expository stuff where he's like listing off all of their details and their full names and then are like what the fuck how does this guy know all this shit uh because you know for the most part like these people kind of conceal their own identity right so this guy who knows all of their names um that's kind of like you know if he's not trying to kill them right now there's got to be something in the scene that makes him seem badass and uh you know just just having all of their information kind of stands in for that um Although wasn't it? It was like uh, Pedro Pascal had actually leaked his character name on accident because he couldn't help himself at yeah. some point. So people already there, there was like an alternate spelling of it that people had put out there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and yeah, apparently he um, in an interview just offhandedly mentioned that his name was Din Djarin, and I, and I think I, I just took that to assume that it wasn't even a plot point, but it was you know a, a reveal for this episode. So I guess he just you know. He fucked up uh, in the in the great Star Wars tradition of not giving a fuck on uh, on press tours. He uh, he let that leak, but um, yeah, I, you got, you gotta think that like the 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 he's probably like a huge risk for Disney because he's so off the cuff and like you look at his Twitter feed and he, he fucking he's like vulgar and swears constantly on Twitter. Like he's got to be like he's not like a Daisy Ridley. Where just you know completely media trained to be a uh, uh, media person, yeah, like he's just kind of off the rails to to you know from the jump, and now we're kind of seeing uh, you know seeing uh, John Boyega 
and uh, Oscar Isaac kind of joining him and being like, fuck it. Here's what we really think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would presume Pedro Pascal, you know, they can talk to him and you know, let him know like, Hey, you know, you know, but I, I also just like that rebellious nature of like, I don't give a shit what this corporation <laughs> tells me to say. I'm going to fucking do whatever yeah. I want. Yeah. No, him and Oscar Isaac, definitely spirit animals in that sense. Um, and so, um, so we learn a couple things in that scene. Obviously he knows who he is. Uh, and then, Mando, I, I can't call him Din. It's too weird. <laughs> He'll still be Mando until we'll see. Maybe next season, but for now he's still Mando. It's the name of the show. I know. Yeah. Um. Fine. He uh, also knows who Moff Gideon is because he says that's got to be Moff Gideon because the only person, the only way he would have access to my names is in the uh, registers of Mandalore. The, the the you know like the the records of Mandalore basically, um, which tells us a lot without you know really telling us much. Uh, obviously, you know. From the end of the episode, we under we know that Gideon, that Gideon has the dark saber, uh, and the dark saber was uh, a lightsaber that was originally uh, made for the first uh, ever Mandalorian who uh, was initiated into the Jedi Order. Um, Pre Vizsla, I think his name was, uh, or, or maybe it was Tar, Tar Vizsla. Like, yeah, like a thousand years ago, like was, Knights of the Old like, Republic, like or a thousand years before the events of of the you know modern star wars timeline um and and he was this you know uh, and again mandalorians and jedi have you know feuded for for a long time and he was kind of this at one for for a short time this kind of unifier you know between the two warring factions and so his way of representing like you know that he was the first mandalorian is he crafted this this lightsaber that was really unique it was you know shaped like a samurai sword essentially and it, it was uh, a black blade, which is the only ever black blade in Star Wars uh, canon, and um, it's it's considered this like prized Mandalorian relic. And it for a long time, you know, barring a few kind of captures of it, uh, it was in possession of uh, the Mandalorians, and whoever <clears throat> held it basically ruled over Mandalore. So the fact that he has it means that he yeah. was like firsthand involved with the set with whatever this purge is that they've spoken of, but we've never seen you know, in star Wars canon yet. Right. So we assume he led that. So it's kind of like the conch in a, in a Lord of the flies. Like all you gotta do is just take, you know, kill whoever's got the sword and you're the king should have fuck mountain then. Right. Uh, so yeah, this was, you know, I, like I've only watched some of the animated series cause they're, they're way geared, way more geared for yeah, kids. Yeah. Right. But I, uh, <clears throat> I have seen how they animated it and I, I always just thought it was, fucking cool as hell because it's like well how do you have a lightsaber that's black it's just cool as hell it's like, design, oh well yeah. it, it they it's it's like it's got like a white outline and it's black and then of course like without all the animation you know it's 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 there but as soon as you like swipe it it blurs right so it almost looks like it's it's expanding as they do it and it, it really does look like it, like if you had to animate like antimatter you know, what, what would the opposite of energy look like? Like, it's almost looks like it's a hole in space when you're swinging yeah. the thing around. So, uh, I, I'm not like as, as big of a fan as you are, but I, the, at the very end when that's revealed, when you see it, it slice out of the, the hole, the, oh yeah, I could, I, like, I, I was, oh shitting for all the Uber fans that were, that were like really oh shitting. I was like, oh, they're going <laughs> to fucking love this. And I could already know they're going to be and there's so many out. Of, uh, well, it, I don't want to jump ahead. I don't want to jump yeah, ahead. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. so many. There's so many great moments, but that was just like another like they didn't have to put that in there 
but that just by itself was, you know, it's a great shot too. Cause you, uh, in, in, in that framing, the sun's going down and, you know, Gus Fring and the TIE fighter are almost completely blown out by lens flare. And you really, really, really have to focus on what he's holding in his hand. Yeah. Right. So, uh, just, just, just again, great, great designing of shots, uh, great cinematography, um, great storytelling with just using the photography yeah. of, of, of the camera. Yeah. His, uh, and his character, by the way, was so, uh, Gus Fring in this episode, just everything about the way he played him. That's why I keep I calling it, him it, that. It, it basically <laughs> just put <laughs> Gus Fring in a fucking cape and then that's what you have here, which, you know, and, and he's a great actor and talented and I'm sure he has range, but like that's, I think they casted him for that purpose. They're like, yeah, we just want Gus Fring in space basically. Um, about that menacing, menacing, well, and, but like he, he lawful quality, you know? Oh yeah. Lawful evil. He's got such a great, like the, when he goes up and down, uh, in his, mm. his diction, it's always it like, it's very, it's just, it's so great and sinister and it's so controlled it too. It's melodic you know? almost. Like I will give you five more minutes to decide, and I know what your choice will be. <laughs> like he's just like he's like a fucking vampire, he's he, like Count Dracula. Oh fuck, you'd make a good Dracula. Uh, That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. No, his, his vocal delivery is so planned, yeah. uh, and not in a way where it's like, oh, he's he's over rehearsed his acting, but like this is just who the character mm-hmm. is is somebody who really talks that way, right? And that, and I love that he. Uh, you know, somebody that's that in control of how they talk, right? Like it, it sort of just Im- implies that he is a control freak on a level beyond what you'd want to yeah. fuck with, right? Like he he will kill you if he doesn't get yeah. his way. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, he also talks about Cara Dune. Uh, he mentions that she's from Alderaan, which tells us everything we need to know about the character right there. You know, obviously we knew she's super anti-Imperials, but uh, we now you know, understand why she's from Alderaan, which is of course, princess Leia's home planet and the planet that, um, Tarkin and Vader blew up at the beginning of uh, a new hope, uh, and killed, you know, millions of people, probably including her whole family. So we know why she fucking hates the Imperials so much and why she's willing to work for basically free as long as it involves, you know, killing her some Nazis, you know, uh, right. Because this time yeah, it's personal. Yeah. So, but and that was just a great bit of really, you know, I mean, not subtle, but like not overly expository exposition. I, I enjoyed that they kind of just dropped it in there. You know, Cara doing a Valderan, Din Jaren. They didn't. They didn't go to a flashback of her family getting watching killed. out the window of a transport uh, as Valderan blows up. Like you know, right. Um, you can only do that for so many characters before. Yeah. It gets and it worked years. for Mando yeah. in this episode and, you know, his backstory, but that's all we, we don't need anyone else's backstory in that fashion. Like it's, it's fine for him. Um, right. Right. Well, and I, and I didn't like that they did the flashback in the very first episode. Of course, we're expanding upon it now, but I felt like, you know, in the, the, the subsequent episodes, the flashbacks fit just not in the pilot. Yeah, it felt right? a little ham-fisted in the um, open, and, and just with the like, always oh, gets he gets PTSD yeah, every time she yeah, hits the hammer. But yeah, um, right. Um, but yeah, and, and then seeing him get rescued, I don't, I don't remember exactly where the flashback fall. I think it's when he starts, like once they have some time to talk. I have it, it in over, my notes somewhere. Yeah. You know, that's that's yeah. When he has the oh, no, it was right here. Actually, it, it was right here. Actually. To, yeah, I have it right after the character. Oh, so, yeah, okay. he has a yeah. flashback because they're talking. But wasn't it? 
like like the the group of Mandalorians that rescue him was Death the Watch. Death well, so Watch, the, like yes, they're not they're not good guys. Well, so really. yeah, <laughs> they're they're like yeah. So fanatics. funnily enough, this is why he knows what the he'll, he'll definitely know what the dark saber is because um, uh, pre Vizsla is was basically you know we we talked briefly on the show about this kind of really interesting story they told with with Mandalore where. There was this basically uh, almost this kind of communist, like anti-war, like peaceful faction of Mandalorians that took over Mandalore. And we're like, yeah, we're not going to be a warrior culture anymore. We're going to stop warring with all these people for no fucking reason. And all of these kind of like uh, like militia fascist groups kind of coalesced into this like opposition. And this guy Pre Vizsla, who is a descendant of uh, Tar Vizsla. I think it's Tarvis, the the original, you know, Mandalorian who who crafted and wielded the dark saber, um, basically led this like rebellion to try to take back Mandalore, and I think he eventually did get possession of the dark saber um, himself. And but his sigil uh, was the same sigil that we saw on the Mandalorians that saved uh, Din in that flashback, that saved our our Mando in the flashback. Um, they had that that. Uh, sigil on their on their armor so it's heavily implied that that's who saved him and maybe even who raised him so the uh, so the fact that he's like pretty well adjusted and not like you know a bad guy is is interesting and it makes you wonder like but you know Mm -hmm. the the other thing that they imply is that based on the kind of timing and the weaponry that they have it's right at the end of of of, uh pre rule so it's possible that he was saved by them, then brought back to Mandalore, and then taken in by like a not shitty Death Watch family, um, which is interesting. Maybe. Yeah. Well, the, the the first time um, you see this guy or or see these people, they're saving him, opens up those cellar doors, uh, and for a split second, because he's kind of like in silhouette there, you kind of think it's well because he's got the head like, antenna it look, and like it, it looked same exact. The, the armor is all the same. And then you realize, well, no, it's just like blue tinted, not uh-huh. brown and green. Um, but yeah, that would, would also have been an interesting way to, to introduce this uh, I, idea that Boba Fett could show up oh, at some point. They have a history together. Like, between, between that tease at <laughs> well, five and yeah, that like, did, fake out tease and the fact that they announced that uh, to deadline that several Skywalker yeah. saga characters will appear in season two. I mean, he's like the number one most obvious and most interesting to appear, right. you know, outside of like that guy fucking Luke show. Well, it, it also is kind of like, well, if uh, they want the only thing I didn't like about the solo movie was other than the fact that like we learned nothing yeah. new. Right. And, and why do it is just the, the idea of recasting the actor uh, to play someone who is only like 10 years difference in age. It's just like, eh, yeah, why? You know, Um but you know, with here, like you, you don't have to worry about that because you got a fucking helmet on the whole time. So you can literally, like, why wouldn't you yeah, fucking do absolutely. it? Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I know I'm not one of those fans. Who's like, oh, both fits coolest thing in the fuck. They're gonna fight the man. You know, I, I mean, I, I hope if they do it, they make it interesting and not just some masturbatory fan service. I hope they would know better. Uh, Favreau seems like he knows what he's doing. Um, I will. But yeah, I mean, like, tell a real yeah. story with it. Don't just be like, oh, here's how we forced this conflict. It has got to be an emotional sure. stake to it. It's got to be diehard where it's not just an action movie. It's a guy trying to reconnect with yeah. his wife, right? So uh, not saying that Boba and Mando have a, have a you know, relationship that's, that's at the, you know, the core of their conflict, but something. There's certainly there, something. something. There could be something there. 
And I just like the idea of like him, you know, obviously he's still going to be on the run from Gideon and from the Imperials. Um, who better to track him down than the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy, you know, by reputation at least. Right. Right. Or, or maybe that was death watch, but that was still Boba Fett. Uh, Oh, that could be true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think that's counted, but that could be, um, Oh, by the way, we don't know. We don't know. We never know. So he could have been like some low ranking person that was just like a nobody. I, I, back I, I'm not hundred percent on this. I don't think the ages line up, but I would have to check on that. Like it could have been Django. Maybe I think, I think maybe, but in any event, yeah. um, I know. <laughs> same person. They're clone of each other, but he wasn't a real man. No, no. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Somebody, somebody who's a nerdier than me will. It seems like Death me. Watch would be like, uh, like the white nationalist version of like Mandalore. Like they'd be like, if you're not a true Mandalorian, you can't be in Death Watch. You know, it seems like they wouldn't. Ex- yeah, that's probably they wouldn't accept true. like a foundling. Yeah. But I don't know. Who knows? Um, in any event, and by the way, Pre Vizsla on the Clone Wars was voiced by John Favreau, which is why he has. You know, he's always had. A, uh, a soft spot for Mandalorians, uh, so that's that's definitely why this show is so heavily focused on their culture and all of this this interesting backstory. Um, yeah, yeah. So, well, if you, um, I, I'm sure you've seen it in some variation, but there's apparently like a like a montage version now because uh, Pedro Pascal's told the story so many times about how he found out how he was going to be involved with it that like he just got called in for a meeting. Uh, and we might have even mentioned this on the cast before, but there's there's like he's told a story a bunch of times and now it's there's it's made the rounds where uh, Favreau called him in and he's looking at all these storyboards like, oh, it looks so cool. This looks so neat. You know, Pascal's yeah, just yeah. blown away by it all. He's like, so what do you want me to play? And he's like, you're him. You're the Mandalorian. He's like, what? Like He apparently was not told by his agent <laughs> what the awesome. meeting was for. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which, which, you know, maybe the story is totally true. Maybe not, but I would love it. it Cause they apparently didn't realize, like they didn't know why he didn't know, you know, they, <laughs> they didn't were, know yeah, they were he surprised was coming to me, not knowing not like, what the fuck am I in here for? Yeah. So that, that was the only thing that made me think like maybe his agent was the one that like sat on the info and didn't tell him just to let him get the surprise, which if that's true, like what yeah. a great agent, like what a fuck, <laughs> what an off, like, I, I'm just going to let you find out you're going to be the next fucking biggest star yeah, in the world very awesome uh <laughs> yeah um yeah so let's see here uh yes oh okay you know they're they're having discussions and they obviously talk about that and he he explains to them that he was a foundling you know stuff we've known or or that's been heavily implied he kind of confirms in this in this conversation uh Kara thought that Moff Gideon was executed for war crimes but obviously he's still around so but that's just another little great bit of exposition that gives you an idea of what kind of a ruthless monster he really is as 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 measured and as reasonable and calm as he sounds like he's a fucking psycho and you know well I mean obviously he killed, he killed a fucking platoon of his own troops just because they were standing in the way of him and the, and his bounty you know so right I just also like it. I like it because it lends to the idea that, you know, the rumors still travel, mm. right? That like she heard one thing that wasn't true. <laughs> Same thing is like none of them really know much about the force. Yeah. You know, or, or Jedi's are a bunch of sorcerers. Like it's a huge galaxy, right? And not everyone has the same information. Um, and we've talked about this a bit. People are like, well, how could they not know about Jedi's? And it's because they're not part of that world. Clearly so, they're not. Like not every person is going to know, uh, you know, even if you were part of the rebellion, 
you might not personally know any Jedi's or know exactly what powers they had, right? Like you're just a fucking shock trooper. You're at the bottom. Um, so I love that. I love that she's just like, you know, it, it's it's the lore of people just having different yeah. information. And there's more of that later in the episode, obviously. Um, well, and, and but, you know, and that's why I, I, I tend to think that what what people are saying about him kind of being rescued by Death Watch, but not being raised by Death Watch have to be accurate because Death Watch is intimately aware of who the Jedi are and what they're, you know, what they're capable of. So I imagine if he was raised by like a Death Watch, you know, member, uh, he would know way more about the force and Jedi. So the fact that it, it probably came right. at the end of, of uh, pre Vizsla's rule makes sense. And like, yeah. And that's another reason why this Mando stuff is interesting. The backstory is very like game of Thrones esque when it comes to like the, 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 the political structure of Mandalore is very um, similar in that way. So I think that that's another way you can, uh, you can bring in elements of a show that people love without going like full bore, you know, medieval, like it's just that interesting elements like that mm-hmm. inside of a uh, space Western, you know, thing. So there's a lot of cool shit that they get to play with in this show. Um, yeah. So we get the, the, um, that great shot of, you know, the, the Mando's saving him. I, I really love that shot of the hand going in, you know, to the, to the kind of bunker or whatever that he's in and the other hand reaching out. It almost felt like, uh, it, it was kind of like a a purposeful kind of callback to the ending of the episode one uh, or chapter one episode where, you know, Mando's reaching uh, for the baby and then the baby baby reaches out for him. You know, like it, it, it felt similar. Yeah. <laughs> to boop the baby. Yeah. Little, little, little E.T. <laughs> Elliot finger touch yeah. thing there. Mary Spielbergian. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, then, then he takes off and he's sort of holding them. You know, just like, hold on, we're going to go fly around the air in my little jet pack. And then, of course, you know, we get that exact same shot reprised at the very end, uh, which is great. And really, you see it, you know, kind of come full circle, obviously, but not in a way that's hacky. You know, I hate when it's just like, oh, he's just fulfilling his destiny to be the same thing that someone was. To, you know, it doesn't it doesn't read that way. Right. Because it's sort of um, it's just too well made to read hacky like to that. Me. But yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly, you know. Right. Now, if they would have had him taking off with Baby Yoda and then cut to a flashback of him again being lifted off by the Death Watch guy, I'd be like, oh, c- come the fuck on. Like, I, my memory's not that short. Come yeah. on. Just you showed us halfway through the fucking episode. So, but uh, thankfully, they didn't. Uh, do that. I, I made a note at this point in the episode because I was really looking at uh, Gideon's armor and I'm not the only one who had this thought because I Googled this and a lot of people think about it. Um and coupled with the dark saber at the end, it's really interesting to think that Gideon actually may be a former, uh, Imperial inquisitor. And for people that don't know what that is real quick, um, the inquisitors, I'll actually read the, the, uh, the Wikipedia, uh, description of what the inquisitors were. Um, the inquisitorious was a group of force sensitives individually known as inquisitors and sometimes called red blades, uh, or dismissively mystics by Imperial officers who were recruited by the Galactic Empire to hunt down the Jedi who survived Order 66 uh, and any other Force-sensitive children. Um, so basically, there was just, just this group of, like, this death squad that the Empire uh, tasked, and their sole mission was tracking down uh, Jedi who survived the, you know, the Jedi Purge. Um, and his uniform actually has these little red um uh, dashes on his shoulder pads which was like a inquisitor's like 
uh, it's part of their uniform and they, they wear all black and black capes. He, he dresses very similar to one. So I think that's definitely leaning towards that. And the fact that he's wielding a lightsaber means that he has to be at least somewhat force sensitive, uh, or, you know, probably just cut his fucking hand off. Like that's a thing they make a point of saying in star Wars, like it lightsabers are really hard to wield if you're not force sensitive, like they're, you know, dangerous. So, the fact that he is wielding one, maybe like I think lends credence to the fact that he might be an inquisitor, which is interesting. Um, mm. And they showed up on Rebels, too. We shall way. see. So that's another connection to the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's that could be interesting. Um, yeah. Baby Yoda. Uh, so from there, we go to the scene uh, with IG speeding through town on the speeder. Just uh, amazing scene. Baby Yoda, if I could have the time of his life, you know, on the front of the speeder, just really taking it in like he's like he's at fucking disney world you know as as ig guns down numerous uh troopers and you know in a, in a great uh it's kind of like et if uh elliot was was you know instead of riding up over the cops and flying across the moon was murdering the cops <laughs> just, just blasting them and et was just like yes father i crave you know, violence it's true though yeah um no it's great well and again you're like why is he taking the baby into more danger it's like well because he knows he can kill all of them the baby's not really and, it, in and he knows the baby will be safer if he can uh, get like five people to help him protect him rather than like you know whatever um yeah, yeah, it's it's his directive um to quote uh Wally, <laughs> quote Eva from Wally. Um which I also just rewatched again thanks Disney Plus trying to get the most mileage I can. I don't want to be one of those people that just like cancels that just because it makes such it a good movie, finish, but such a, such a good we'll movie. see. I'll, I'll I'll keep it around there. Yeah, uh, I um yeah, uh, Wally is one of my favorites just because it's it relies so heavily on on nonverbal yeah. storytelling, and of course the the great message it sends about you know not only climate change but capitalism and consumerism and you know American diet everything. There's so much rolled into that movie that's not even like oh yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it, it almost feels like um, it's like what if what if uh, what's the the end game of idiocracy <laughs> if uh, what's his name didn't get you know didn't save the future like what would finally happen to everyone and this is yeah. basically what it'd be although i don't think they would make a spaceship that would actually save that many people they would probably crash and <laughs> yeah, explode or technology something. was the, didn't have the scientists to, to do that in idiocracy um yeah so uh you know he, he has that really cool move where like he's riding into town and you're like oh well they're all shooting at him and the baby's right on the front of the speeder this is probably not gonna end well and he kind of like picks him up and spins him around and spins his body 180 degrees and then his arms like you know rotate backwards and he spin like it, it, it's just such a cool like droid moment you know that, that he that he uh pulls in that yeah i know it's it's definitely cool you wonder why he didn't have him there already but you know he also he's not there yet and doesn't know how many fucking yeah, yeah. troopers are in there so uh but i, I love that you know he, he's also <clears throat> driving what would be extremely recklessly if you were a person right so you can cl- clearly see that he's got uh, more piloting skill with this thing, and, and and he's as he's flying down the street, he's shooting and only hitting stormtroopers. There's that shot of uh, there's the Jawa in between oh, two yeah, of them, he, and it's just like either side of the Jawa, and the Jawa's just yeah, like what happened? <laughs> so he's clearly clearly uh, not you know not being reckless, although it looks that way to begin with. But then uh, you know gets into that that main courtyard area and just kind of lets the thing crash and take out a bunch and, more of them with the explosion uh, like it, 
yeah, I mean, like tip the odds a little bit, but still immediately like starts getting shot at and you're like, well, he's, he's not yeah. impervious. You know, none of these characters are impervious and they they all need each other or else they all they're like no one of them could save the day. Uh, IG-11 has only tipped the scales a little bit. Yeah. Way more than any one of the humans could have done on their own, but it, you know, only he can do so much. So at that moment, they all rally and fight alongside him. So they all come out and start shooting. Uh, Mando comes out and picks up that turret by hand, which was dope as hell. Like he just starts mowing them down with this thing, holding this massive, very heavy looking uh, turret gun, you know, laser turret gun, but turret gun nonetheless, um, until it was too heavy for him. And then, um, uh Gideon sees him and instead of trying to shoot at him which won't do much because he has his best car he shoots the kind of uh power pack power supply for this turret gun uh which explodes and you know sends Mando flying you know severely injuring him and concussing him and you know uh giving him brain trauma so that's you know obviously uh right well, I, I love that moment because we've seen him, uh, you know, like when he falls off the, you know, the, the, the sand crawler thing, he falls like a good 40, 50 feet and gets knocked out, but he's mostly okay. And you're like, okay, well, that armor clearly saves him, right? So when he gets blown up, but when the, you know, when the, when the gun battery gets blown up, you're like, okay, that was clearly, uh, you know, took him out, but he'll be okay, right? So they, they set you up to think he'll be fine. Uh, in that moment or just like mildly stunned. And then, you know, of course what comes right after is he's not, <laughs> he's, he's at his most yep. vulnerable moment. Uh, and that was really kind of where you're like, okay, they're, they're doing a great job of showing that the hero is a, uh, vulnerable and be, uh, you know, like emotionally not in a good place either. Right. Which is if you want to make a really compelling protagonist, they can't be all powerful. You got to worry that they're going to die. Yeah, no, they got to right. suck. Sometimes. Otherwise, there's like, no they have to, You know, they have to lose. They they, they have to lose in order to yeah. make their wins. You know, fuck Rocky doesn't work if he fucking wins every every you know every fight that he has. Like no. Rocky three, like would be over the, in twenty minutes if he in. wins the first fight with Clubber Lang. Spoiler alert! Like you know, it's just yeah the. <clears throat> the the truck chase at the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is textbook like how you make your hero vulnerable and exciting at the same time because it's like no they're not he's just a regular guy he doesn't have any superpowers right and and to get you know run over by the truck and you know fucking throws the whip out and he's now he's being dragged to the gravel and it's like that would kill most people and he's almost being killed too (laughs) and he's barely coming back from it and that's the emotional beat you need to really fucking root for the hero Right. And and we don't get like such an immediate catharsis where he's extremely vulnerable and then extremely powerful. You know, it's a few minutes later, you know, it comes at some help from his friends. But it's still you you get that sense of like he almost fucking died there, you know, like the whole back of his head's bleeding. Uh, and, 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 you know, we get the, we get the scene, baby Yoda. Does oh, yeah, don't skip it. Don't skip it. I got to go through all that still. We'll talk about yeah. Um yeah, so um, he's injured, obviously. They get him inside. IG gets him inside. <clears throat> uh, IG starts burning through the grate, you know, finding a way out, he thinks, through this 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 room they're kind of uh, pinned down in. Um, Mando is severely injured. Uh, 
Kara goes over to him. He's like, no, no, just just leave me here. Let me have a let me have a warrior's death, which was, you know, it's 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 it was a nice but like it was, you know, it was like, no, we're not going to fucking let you die. You're obviously not going to die in this episode. But, um, uh, you know, he, he's he's still like trying to be honorable in that moment. But he's also, you know, he also has brain trauma. So it's like, dude, all right, you'll be all right. Just don't worry about it. We'll 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 fix you up. Um, so it's also just not who he is. It's uh, kind of just like, oh, let me have a word. Like you're, you're a fucking bounty hunter. You're not a warrior. Like shut I mean, up. he is though. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's the, it doesn't match know. the character. He's eh, the man. Yeah, I don't like it. It didn't, didn't. Right but the the uh, this this the kind of culture that the Mandalore have in this kind of the wake of the purge, where where they're all you know extremely dogmatic. I think he's he's always his his two sides are always kind of warring inside of him, where he is. A bounty hunter because he's a you know really good at it and it and it keeps him you know afloat and helps him you know survive but he also does have this this creed and this code that he is very dogmatic about at times so i mean I, it didn't really strike me as uh out of character but again he's also you know he also has a traumatic brain injury so you know if that was out of character it could be explained by that sure sure mm-hmm. It's just a very uh, I abandoned my boy kind of a moment. Like you got a kid to watch out for. You can't you can't fucking yeah. die on. His well, I think, mouth. but he, yeah. uh, anyway, it's it's a, just a small quibble. I don't want to focus yeah. on it. Too and much, um, so uh, you know, at that moment where they're trying to figure out what to do, and IG's trying to burn through the grate, uh, this uh, flame trooper, uh, Imperial flame trooper, comes and torches the building. Um, really cool you know stormtrooper like paint job on his on his helmet he's got this like red streak running down his stormtrooper helmet um and this is i guess established canon in one of the shows uh but he uh or i'm sorry not one of the shows he was originally in uh, the force unleashed which was like the last generation of consoles like kind of big star wars game um and he comes into the building and you know of course we all knew it was coming in this moment didn't make it any less satisfying the flame trooper gets ready to torch uh, baby Yoda. And we get this great shot of the baby standing up and, you know, putting his hands up and stopping this wall of fire using the force and then pushing the wall of fire back onto this flame trooper and completely, you know, immolating him. Uh, Just, just great, you know, moment the way they shot it and the way they scored it and everything. Um, Predictable, but, but fun, you know, just, you know, so we come here for folks is, is baby Yoda, you know, doing the magic hand thing. Um, and <laughs> so, uh, let's see. IG stays behind to help Mando. Um, you know, after that, they, they say, let's go down the grate. Um, and Mando's like, no, just leave me. Uh, but Kara makes sure that, uh, IG promises to bring him. Uh, IG gives Kara baby Yoda and says, you know, protect this child <laughs> to which she says, like, I don't do the kid thing. Um, but you know, she takes them anyway. Um, and then in this moment, we get actually a really nice, uh, moment, uh, between the two of them. Cause I, cause man, cause IG just goes to take off Mando's helmet and Mando still, you know, even in his groggy state still is like, you know, get the fuck away. He like puts his blaster up. He's like, you know, I'll, I'll, don't try it. Um, and he explains to him, you know, I've, uh, he, he's still distrustful of him, even in this moment, even after all that IG's done, because he's just, again, he's so traumatized by droids, and he does have this this prejudice against droids because they, you know, murdered his family, and he's, you know, he's had this traumatic experience with them. 
um, to the point where he doesn't help like basic or he doesn't trust like basic protocol droids that like, you know, uh, like dispense your your fucking dra- your blue milk like he doesn't trust any kind of you know droid whatsoever um but and and he still says no you're you're, you're programmed to kill and he says no not anymore and you know he goes to take his helmet off and uh, mando softens at that point but he still says no no living thing has ever seen me without my helmet and then ig says well i'm not a living thing which you know is pretty obvious but it you know it, it uh so he allows him to take his helmet off uh and we get that shot of pedro uh not looking great really just got like 15 years of like helmet hair just you know really bleeding not 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 looking his best (laughs) no he's at his most vulnerable and you know that that really is the moment where you want to see the actor's face and it's just the fact that we haven't all this time and now we finally get it 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 really uh, you know, he, he, good looking fella, but you're seeing him Perfect at his moment absolute show. worst. People still said, oh, he, he looks so great. He looks so great. He, like, like, shit, no, he, yeah. he looks like shit. His face is covered in blood. He <laughs> looks fucking terrible. Like, have you, you know, I've only seen him look worse and that we've been you know, fucking eyes gouged <laughs> yeah, Pretty much the only time. Uh, but yeah, it it, 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 it totally fucking works. And, you know, oh, here's the spray thing. And it's like, whatever. Okay, now he's fixed. But th- the point is that you... You're showing him at his absolute worst, right? The lowest point he's been the whole time, right? Like all everything else, you you realize he's been through. He hasn't been this banged up before, but the the cold, steely glaze of just metal and glass underneath that has been a lot more vulnerability than we've ever had a chance to see. And we read all that only through this moment. Right. And it's such a great payoff that they, you know, I hear there was like one or two people that were like, oh, they shouldn't have done it at all. It's like, shut up. That, that, the shut whole up. fucking show was building <laughs> towards gonna, that moment show the of actress. vulnerability and that moment of acceptance of, of you know, yeah. that not everyone is, is as you, you know, you, you, you paint them as in your head. It was like, it was almost his moment of like, like learning to not be a racist, but for joy. Like it was just, you know, very, um, I enjoyed it a lot. I really liked that. And and it's just great because he assumes that he stays behind to kill him. He just it's like because when he first, you know, when they first leave, he's like, all right, get it over with. He just can't help but think that he's still like a bounty hunter droid and he's, you know, going to stay behind to kill him. But it's just like that. It's just great that he manages to right through kindness and through compassion. IG manages to to really like turn him around. Well, he's a nurse droid, and he's he's learned a little uh, bedside manner humor. <laughs> yes, yeah, so any good doctor. He sprays him with this back to spray, which of course you know Luke was in the back to tank in Empire. That's it's this like protein that rebuilds cells. Yeah, well, they, they, they we, makes the joke about his brain. We we all watched yeah, it. No, we're recapping it. That's that's why we're here. <laughs> I know we don't have to go like line by line through every single okay, thing that okay, happened. Whatever. But I mean, people listening to this all have right, watched it. So, uh, yeah. So the gang's walking through the tunnels. Um, to find the Mandalorians, um, they find a pile of uh, Mandalorian armor, which, you know, uh, we all know they don't take their fucking armor off for anybody. So this means they're dead or they've completely abandoned the the, the way, which oh, we, yeah. we don't know for sure at first. But then we figure out they're dead. You might as well have had yeah. a pile of skulls for what that what that pile of helmets basically yeah. meant. Right. And also just the like these people all died because they sacrificed themselves to save Mando. And we don't really get to see his face, but it clearly well, he's he kneels in front of it very that. reverently. Like he picks up the helmet. He's just very, you know, somber. It's a, 
Oh, and he, and he thinks that uh, Carl Weathers was responsible. He's just lashing out because he's uh-huh. fucking enraged that like, all, like he's, he's not somebody that wants anyone else to. He doesn't want to rely on anybody, right? Let alone know that all these people gave their lives to yeah, save him, yeah, basically. Exactly. Um, so yeah, right before him and him grief come to blows, uh, the armor comes out, you know, from from hiding or whatever, and she tells him that uh, the Imperials came back and killed them all. Um, which I don't really understand because they did say at the end of episode three, like, oh, we're gonna have to move our culvert. Um, so I guess they just didn't. I, like, I can't imagine the Imperials gathered. Like the Mandalorians, are like the best fighters in the world. Like, how quickly could they have gathered a platoon big enough to wipe out that entire culvert? Like, I don't, I, I don't know. But whatever. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's a small quibble. They probably just just misjudged. You know, they thought like, well, we just got to deal with these bounty hunters. You know, and clearly there was a bigger they thought they had more time force nearby than any than any of these people thought well so gideon yeah. was is presumably so moffs are basically like governors so if he's like the moth of this planet or this sector he's probably got a whole platoon like right off world so he probably could have gotten there in like a couple yeah. of hours so if they didn't know that and clearly they didn't because they didn't know that until he shows up that that he was there uh that might have been what wiped them out um yeah well it it even says uh you know this this didn't happen right away this happened you know like we had peace here for a little while yeah after you left everyone everything calmed down and then this happened later on we don't really know exactly how long it's been gone presumably yeah a couple months maybe i mean they imply it's been at least a couple months um but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're want if you know if you're in hiding because there someone's trying to kill you, you'd think you'd have that escape route planned <laughs> ahead of time. Uh, at least you know once you're you know expose yourself, go do it now. But, but yeah, anyway, yeah, it's it's still yeah. Impactful. So the armor takes uh, takes them into the into the foundry into the you know where she forges all the armor, um, and. She seems to be kind of like the leader of this tribe. Like she, she makes decrees that he basically is like, oh yeah, well, fuck, I gotta follow that. So she seems to definitely have a position of, mm-hmm. of leadership in this, in this, you know, this order. Um, she talks about, you know, he he talks about how the you know the child can move things with his thoughts or with his mind, whatever he says. Um, and she says, oh, I know of this, you know, the art, the uh, you know, old, old songs tell the tell of the war between Mandalore and the Jedi and earn a, a race of sorcerers, you know, known as the Jedi. So just, you know, I like that. It's, it, it's not that like, Oh no. Yeah. I know Jedi. It's no, like these old songs. It, it's very game of Thrones esque. And it's like, Oh, the, you know, the prophecies and the songs and the ballads mm. of old tell of the war between Mandalore and the Jedi. So I enjoyed that, that kind of world building uh, aspect of it for sure. Um, she refers to baby Yoda as a foundling, which, you know, obviously is kind of the theme of, of the season, but it's nice to have it kind of articulated to Mando because he needs things spoon fed to him sometimes, you know, like he, he doesn't want to admit that this is, that Mm. this is his foundling and this is basically his son, but she tells him, you know, you must reunite him with his own kind. And until you do, or until he's of age, you are as his father. So, you know, you are now a clan of two. Um, and she gives him the, mudhorn signet which was uh great 
she really wanted to give that to him. She wanted to give that to him right away, and he's like, "No, no." And she's like, "Hey, you know, you gotta. I make this is what I do. I make these well, things. Like, let me put it on you." <laughs> so she kind of just she kind of just says, like, shit. I already it. made, I made it last it time. You didn't let me give it to you, and I got it lying around here. Um, right, because <laughs> she made it awfully quick. But no, I, I I love the moment just because it's it's like it. It was fan service of something we've never like we all wanted, but wasn't like yeah. uh, official yet. Like it, that's it. You're the dad. You're the papa. You're gonna be the, the baby's gonna be around for a while. It's not just and, a one off thing. The reason in the first um, uh, or in the third, second or third episode where where he says like, no, you know, I was I, I didn't kill the mudhorn. I had help from an enemy. Um, and and then I, I, it's just nice that she's she's basically said like this isn't your I mean I can't even speak this isn't your enemy stupid this is you know this is your clan this is your tribe you two are of the of you know the same clan and he's he's your you're his protector and he's your protector um and and you're gonna be a clan of two so I, I really enjoyed that right well are they gonna refer to it as the foundling from here on out maybe you think i i assume i assume at the end of the second maybe. season we're gonna get a name for for this thing because because uh favreau is apparently very salty that bob Iger keeps referring to it as baby yoda he like he called him up he's like don't call him baby yoda it's not baby yoda stop calling him baby yoda. um I mean, it's like understand. dude what do you think they're what do you think people are gonna fucking right. call him but you better any of that um yeah, so he he gives him the signet, or she gives him the signet rather, uh, and she also gives him uh, his jetpack. So he got him one of those. <laughs> we obviously, you know, hey, he's officially a rocketeer. <laughs> also like on Disney Plus. I, I haven't seen that in years. But I bet it's not as good. As... I that was the first that was the first thing I watched on Disney yeah. Plus aside from Mandalorian, and it, really? it actually holds up really well. Nineteen ninety. Yeah, it, I I was amazed at how well it holds up um, as like a, a like an yeah. actual adult film. Like you could watch it. I watched it when I was ten. I was like, oh, that was cool. And those movies never yeah, hold most up of well, the time. right? And and this one really really does. Um, amazing photography too, uh, and, and effects in that. Like for a guy flying around, you would think, oh, it's going to look like some really shitty blue screen, you know, yeah, like yeah. early nineties blue screen. And I, I, they may have done some work on it to to fix it up, but. Uh, no, it looks great. Um, you know, love love the ending of it where you've got the uh, you got the FBI and the mob teaming up to to kill Nazis. I'm just like, yeah, America. <laughs> it's just, it's total, total, total. Yeah, that's good stuff. I yeah, John Locke's in it, of course, of Lost uh, fame. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, the armor. You know, they so they all uh, get ready to leave. Um, they try to get the armor to come with them. She's so she's staying behind until she salvages what she can. I don't really understand what that means. I, I assume it's just there for that really cool scene that follows. Um, but I'm not really quite sure what she's there to salvage. Um, well, all the, all the pile of armor, right? Like, she's not going to let that shit go to waste. She's going to melt that shit down yeah. and, and, you know, pay it forward or whatever. I... But the the scene where she stays behind and then beats up the, the, the six guys and I presume kills them. Uh, seemed a little unnecessary, but it's like, okay, well, she's got this this foundry, right? She's got this forge, right? And and they even say that the whole, you know, basement thing is like a maze, right? So if 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 she's staying behind, you think, well, they're just gonna kill her. It's like, well, they if she kills these six guys, then she may be safe for a while. They may not really know yeah. where she is down there. 
she might still have a little protection. And then it's also like, it's a, it's obviously going to be a place he returns to for sage like wisdom and for uh, further upgrades. Like we got to kind of establish that this place is somehow protected and, and to show her, uh, fighting yeah. to protect it successfully. I think it was kind of like, okay, no, we, I sure. can believe that it's still nobody gonna else be is going to make that. And she's going to be able to bet armor. And right. Shit for him. Right. Right. And, and, and that she's not going to be a character that who's like, traipsing around the galaxy with him she's going to be someone who's always centered yeah. in that place uh, you yeah. know at least and, and again we've talked about the kind of video game nature of the show and it's another video game-esque aspect it's like this it's like the store you go to and and you know gta to buy more ammo and guns and shit like it'll always be there like you can shoot the cashier <laughs> right, and come back right. in like an hour and he'll be there again like it's just you know <laughs> it doesn't matter um <laughs> Right. But you got to answer a <laughs> riddle before you can get the upgrade, though. That's yeah, just yeah, that's no, part of sure. how it works. Um, and, and of course, you know, the fight scene, it, it was just really well shot, even though it, it was, you know, kind of unnecessary, but it was fun. I love the that great shot of her whacking the one fucking stormtrooper and cracking his his helmet which is not something we've seen, you know, really just cool, really cool shot. Oh yeah. No, the whole, the whole front of the face just shatters and you're like, Oh, I probably shattered his whole fucking yeah. jaw yeah, too. That shit. was awesome. And, and just to see <laughs> so. someone, you know, fighting with like fucking a wrench and, uh, like, uh, uh, forceps or like pliers or whatever, like, you know, uh, heavy duty pliers. It was, it was good shit. Um, for sure. Yeah. And, and to see someone, you know, get fucking tossed into that. Yeah, forge that, and that was cool. great. It was, <laughs> Um, a little bit, you know, a little, little reminiscent of uh, Last Jedi, where the the, the red Imperial oh, like, Guard gets tossed yeah. into the whatever the fucking pit, and the, the yeah, red yeah. just fluff comes out of it. And you're like, whoa, what, that doesn't what what the fuck? They really don't have OSHA <laughs> in, in, in the Empire. Yeah, it's just oh, I slipped and His fell. Darth Vader was so adamant oh, with okay, Boba Fett about not disintegrating anyone. He's like, I just fucking just can't take it. Everyone's just falling into shit and you know disintegrating on her. I mean, just put it. Put, could you install know, some really? fucking railings in this place? Know, like, Come really? On. Just, just, just. You gotta have that Sith aesthetic where you can die at any moment if you take like two wrong steps in any direction. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So from there, they they uh, go down to the lava, the kind of lava river, lava flats. I think they call them. Uh, and and they take a ferry, you know, presumably to safety. Uh, and the ferry is, of course operated by a ferry droid there's there's obvious you know river sticks kind of illusions with the scene and the the visuals and everything you know riding down this kind of hell river with this like total you know the the ferryman right well i like how they have to give instructions about which way to go and it's like it's a it's a river of lava (laughs) you're only going to go one direction it's not like there's two different options here like you're going to go down river even though it's it's an r2 droid yeah uh yeah I, i love with with fucking huge long legs on it yeah, yeah like was, a roided up fucking like was, super shredder version of r2d2 it was very it was just a real funny reveal because it's sitting there it looks yeah. like a normal r2 droid and they get on and all of a sudden this thing fucking stands up with these gigantic legs and it's just i enjoyed that moment for sure oh i know be like hey ig can you take that thing can you can you fuck that up because yeah. if not you're not really protected and then there's also just the fact that like oh lava river nothing good happens in star wars when there's a lava <laughs> river so you 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 just that alone you get a sense of impending dread of uh you know there you're gonna the the, the conclusion is gonna be uh in part tied yeah. to this this lava well lake, but you know it's funny river. funny enough ig did not have the high ground and he still managed to win you know in this in this lava river battle that he had with the uh the imperials <laughs> um so right 
Just, you just gotta be willing to blow your <laughs> fucking self up. To yeah. So uh, they take this ferry yeah. down the thing. Um, uh, obviously, Mando with his little scanner sees that the Imperials are waiting at the mouth of the tunnel. Ig tells him, uh, you know, there, there's no way you're we're gonna, there's no way we survive where the baby, there's no way the baby survives where we all survive. Um, and he says, you know, I, I can't be captured. I, I you know, I, I'll have to self destruct. Um. And there's just this really heartbreaking kind of uh, bit of dialogue with him and Mando where he's like, you know, uh, this, the, the, I, I have to do this. I, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, you, I, I'll self-destruct. You will survive. The baby will survive. Um, and Mando's like uh, almost like pleading with him. Like he's, you know, the, you can really hear the sadness in his voice. He says, no, we, you know, we need you. Um, and then IG says uh, to him, there, there's nothing to be sad about. I've never been alive. Uh, and then Mando's like, I'm, I'm not sad, like in a very, you know, <laughs> defensive way. And of course, IG says to him, you know, yes, I yes, you are. I'm a nurse droid. I've analyzed your voice, um, which was a funny moment. But it, it was, you know, it, I, it, they managed to really make that emotional beat hit, you know. And, and again, like I said, despite the fact that IG does not have a ton of screen time. Because it, it, it because it's really more about Mando in that moment and his journey throughout the season, you know, and his journey to, in a way, to love Baby Yoda and to love other people and to like open himself up, you know, like that's something that he's just always struggling with and very closed off to, you know, when we meet him and and it's you really see the progression of his character, uh, in in this scene for sure. And I, I just really enjoyed that. And Disney also figured out that like robots without faces dying somehow invokes more sympathy than killing off one of the main characters. Of <laughs> Weirdly. Of yeah, no, it's true. Uh, for, for in, a, in a somewhat convoluted uh, way, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to empathize with a robot with no face. Cause you're just like, <laughs> he's all of us. Um, but yeah, it, it also was a good payoff. Cause we had that very long montage of him learning how to like, uh, pour liquids and uh, pick things up <laughs> without crushing lizards. So it's, it's kind of like at the time I was like, why is this such, why is this such a long series? And like, okay, there's going to be a, it's going to be a thing yeah. that happens later, obviously. So, so we get that. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, he steps off the boat and walks uh, to self-destruct amongst the Imperials, but it's a very, you know, uh, he gets off. Like everyone's like, no, don't get, it was very T2 esque. Like I, they, they certainly were trying to allude to T2, with that scene, obviously, you know, Arnie lowering himself, lowering himself into the lava, you know, the thumbs up at the end, just, just a, a real traumatic moment from our childhoods. I'm sure for everybody, you know, listening who grew up or when that movie came out. So it, it certainly evoked that for me. And they, even the score kind of like had a Terminator esque quality to it. It's, it felt like in that moment. So I, I think they were certainly trying to make allusions to that with that scene. Um, maybe yeah it, the only thing i didn't like about it was just like he they, they've already reiterated it over and over the self-destruct thing and then he like gets to the mouth of the cave and he has to like repeat all of the expository <laughs> thing like i'm going to blow myself up like they just, just I, we already know like just do it just fucking do it we don't need <laughs> he has to though it's a protocol that he has to say it out loud <laughs> You know, it's like, hey, guess what, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're all like, uh, kaboom. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, oh, there's a timer and it's it's going off and it's rising in pitch. Might be a bomb. What do you think? <laughs> well, uh, and it's a thermal okay. detonator. Like you can see in his chest. It's we, we all know. Like we all have seen that shape before. So it's like, do they? I, I guess they just didn't. It took him a second to realize, and it was already too late. But I like that he walked out. 
Yeah, they, yeah, they well, they wanted to drag they're pretty, pretty hapless. So, and he, I, I do like that he walked out like far past the cave mouth because my concern was like he's gonna blow himself up and fucking cave them in, but he actually does walk significantly past the cave mouth before it's self destructing. So, it, 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 you really had that thought. You had that thought. You were like, oh, I'm. He might. He might. Well, the way uh, they shot it might fuck up the suicide. Honestly, because the way they shot it, he was. <laughs> they were right outside the fucking wall, but he does wade like five yeah. feet ahead of the wall and then blow up because if you did it under the wall you'd presume that the fucking the mouth of the ki- the the river would just you know collapse on them but he he well never seen a thermal detonator go off before so we don't really know what the uh what the impact is but no it was you know. good it was good i you know kind of have a feeling like if you if you really did that your legs would be melted by the time you got more than about 10 feet but we, but he doesn't feel pain so it's uh, like just, you know he doesn't he just mobilities feel pain your legs are made out of metal they'd melt in seconds yeah <laughs> weird out <laughs> i mean who knows what he's it made be, out be of, crawling, but they might not just be like steel. Yeah. who knows who knows magic it's magic made out of yeah, magic uh <laughs> metal don't, don't think about it too much basically um it's why he can't be captured because he has he's made out of magic metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, they get out. You know, he saves them. His sacrifice saves them. They get out, um, but they're not out of the woods because Gideon is there with his Tie Fighter, uh, just just really like peppering the landscape. And actually, this is another cool thing that we've never yeah. seen in Star Wars because obviously we've seen Tie Fighters in space, but but him kind of almost coming in, almost like a very like Vietnam esque shot, just peppering the ground with the uh the the cannon fire it looked it, it it looked really cool and it's not something i think we've seen in a star wars thing you know too often it's just kind of almost jungle setting where like he was just you know coming in and strafing the ground with with uh with fire so i we'll get that in last jedi it's a little bit yeah yeah that's true. like Crate. the assault planet um but no, this is, again, you know, with that, there's like a million of them and a bunch yeah. of people. And here it's like the scale of everything is much smaller. It's just, you know, the the four of them and one TIE fighter and Gus yeah. Fring, right? Which makes uh, it work. And yeah. Excellently. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to have a jillion. I mean, you know, you want to see a jillion spaceships fighting a jillion spaceships. You go to watch Rise of Skywalker. This is a much smaller thing. Um, but, you know, you get... You get Probably the biggest laugh line of the episode <laughs> uh, with with Carl Weathers here, and you know, he of course says, you know, he, he he just he just doesn't he doesn't he doesn't understand how the force works. He's like, hey, make the baby do the hey, magic baby, hand, do the magic thing. hand thing, do the magic hand thing. <laughs> to which to which baby yeah, Yoda just waves love, at him with his little fucking three fingered hand, so it's adorable, super cute. Yeah, but I loved uh, Cara Dune's reaction because she probably doesn't know how it works either, but she's pretty sure that's <laughs> really how it doesn't work. And she she like shoots him a look like, "Are you are you fucking stupid? Are you insane? Yeah, yeah, no. uh, yeah which, which really sells it that it's like he he really is kind of clueless um, in in what he's doing. I've really come uh, around in his character then, too. He's he's such an enjoyable character to be. Like I always enjoyed him, but I, I remember like the first time he shows up, we're like, "Wow, Carl Weathers really chewing the fuck out of the scenery and on this show." But it, it weirdly works now. Like it, I think initially we mentioned, right. like, "Oh, he's like almost like he's on a different show," but his his personality has almost kind of infused itself onto the story. It's weird. No, he he's kind of clueless and hapless, right? Which you think, how did he get to be in charge of the union if he's this, <laughs> well, like, doesn't know what's going on? But, like, I, I've met the heads of unions before, and they're usually the people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. 
that just want to be there the most. Well, and right? did you catch no his, his exposition from <laughs> so, Gus was um, disgraced magistrate. So he was like a disgraced judge, uh, which is super funny because it's like right. how bad of a judge you have to be in in this fucking like hive of scum and villainy to be like removed from your judgeship. And now you're like, you know, busy dealing with like the scum of the scum right. of the bounty hunters guild. You know? So it's just it, it, it. That was a funny moment. But I can imagine him being a pretty hapless uh, judge, you know with the way he acts. And then you get, we get the line um, right after you, you, you know, baby Yoda's kind of waves back at him. You're like, Oh, he's just being cute. Baby didn't understand their, their mortal danger. Uh, he's like, well, <laughs> I'm out of ideas. <laughs> and Mando's Mando says, I'm not. And that's, then you get the yeah, just great the fucking pack shot. taken off. Um, Unbelievable shot. And you, you kind of think like, well, maybe he, like he, he hasn't used one of these jetpacks in a long time. He sort of admits that. Uh, and and it's very clear because he, he he has like no skill with the jetpack yeah. at all. He's just it's basically Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, at the end to, of Jingle All the Way with this fucking jetpack, like just you know <laughs> crashing into ship, plummeting <laughs> to the earth. Yeah. Well, and I love the I love this shot. There's I shared a, a gif of that on Twitter where he just shoots straight up in front of that fucking Tie Fighter, and then just like the engine cuts out, and he kind of just almost falls down into it, and it. it just almost barely clips him flying under him and they do a great cut shot from from him in the frame just like a 90 degree angle flying straight up in the air and the tie fire flying right under him and they smash cut to uh, uh esposito in the cockpit like jerking his head Seeing up, up into over the, him yeah. to, like to the left it, yeah like he's startled by it and also like you 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 get this great sense of their proximity you know, where a lesser show uh, would would just show him fly under him and then cut to him like you know looking straight ahead, flying the Tie Fighter, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. did he see him? Did he not see him? Did he? Are they? Are they were they really that close? Uh, and then of course, you know, he 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 doesn't even really know how to how to chase he him with the jetpack. So he's just like, I know how to use the fucking <laughs> grappling hook, yeah. And then of course gets dragged by the thing so violently that you're like, okay, he's not even going to be able to hold on here. Um, and he's still not using the jetpack. He's still just like clinging for dear life because he he doesn't know how to use this thing that well. Well, she and, makes, uh, you know, we, well, he, the armor even yeah. when she gives it to him makes a point of kind of this kind of weird line that she says like, oh well, until you've mastered its its commands, it won't, li- or, or until you mastered it, it won't listen to your commands or something of to that nature. Um, which which is true because he literally yeah. only uses it for one straight up blast, and that's pretty much probably all he learned in like you know uh rising phoenix whatever you know they call it i think the program to is is just how to take off and then he uses that to then use his other skills to really you know like uh, cling for life to this fucking thing um which is just real cool oh yeah and and i remember the the first time i watched it i was just you know it all happened so fast that uh you know i don't remember it accurately because i was like why didn't he just do a bunch of like you know flip upside down and shake him off yeah he he does he does like a bunch of barrel rolls trying to toss him off uh and you know and he can't really see him but he keeps looking Mm. almost kind of like through the hall you know like we we get the sense that he knows he's still out there which which you would I mean, they're they're not huge it. aircraft, right? And and that much weight, you would you'd feel it. And they have you know sensors and shit. Um, but yeah, it's it's a ton of action in such a short span of time, and it's it's really satisfying that it's so easy to have like a you know fucking battle go on for so long that you get exhausted and you don't really care anymore, and you're like, is is any of this real? Uh, and to have a ton of action in that short little span of time, you know, he fucking first bomb slips, 
explodes in the air, right? And you're like, all right, he's only got one left. And you're like, oh, wait, no, he's got two left. And you're going to fucking put them right, yeah. right on top of each other. Uh, and, and that, you know, then you get that that great, you know, Gus Fring. Like, <laughs> it's just right perfect. It's like, up. hey, I, I'm sure the Taika's direction was like, hey, remember that scene in Breaking Bad where, where, you, where you realize that there's a bomb at the last second? Do that exact shot again. Just do that face again. <laughs> you're just like, no. Right. Yeah. right. Now, the, don't, yeah, don't yeah, stand yeah. up because you'll hit your head, but still, like, <laughs> that, that's the look we want. Um, uh, and, and then, of course, you know, he, he barely gets the um, the jetpack to ignite to, him, yeah. to, to land without killing himself, too. Uh, and then a TIE fighter, you know, goes off and crashes and doesn't doesn't explode. But we, you know, presume he's not dead. He's yeah. just they're going to walk away and yeah. be like, oh, well, no, anytime, anytime a ship doesn't explode uh, with someone yeah, important just, in it, you just, know, that person's still alive. That's like Star Wars 101. Um, right. Yeah. No, yeah, and even if they do get killed by it, you can always bring cloning them back or whatever fucking, fucking stupid nonsense. Device, yeah. But um, um, <clears throat> just overall, love love that scene. Uh, love the the scale of it. The you know really putting them in, into like here, here's this little tiny guy, and here's this fucking jet flying around, and we've never seen that. We've never seen you know the the somebody on the you know there's a man on the wing (laughs) kind of a thing uh with 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 one of those really and you know it's you get the sense of speed you get the sense of scale of it uh without having a ton of money put into it flying all over and seeing it from every different fucking angle and the you know like most of it you just see up close and the background's kind of out of focus but you get you know they they animate it well enough that it feels like real motion uh, the, the physics of it all feel right. It's not like just, oh, I'm jump leaping from thing to thing and there's no, you know, gravity doesn't exist. Like everything he's doing looks like it's in a gravity environment and and he's not a fucking Jedi. He's just a regular guy, right? And, and struggling to hold on to the wing of this thing as it's flying around at God knows how fast, 150, 200 miles an hour, uh, looks really fucking difficult. Like it looks like he's really holding on and could could fall off and die at any moment. So... Um, another example of just how you don't need a huge budget to, I mean, not that this didn't have a big budget for a TV show, but you don't need, uh, to have a, a, a full movie budget to make really good effects that are satisfying to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, he crashes from there. Um, we kind of get the, 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 the epilogue at the end, uh, you know, Kara says she's going to stay on Navarro. For whatever reason, I mean, she doesn't really have a home. Um, I don't know why she doesn't go back to uh, Sorghum, but I guess, you know, whatever. Navarro's good enough for her for now. Um, but that's obviously just so that she's there when he comes back, you know, looking for the armor and for her and for grief. Next time he needs a crew to do something. Um, we get from there, we get a shot of uh, Mando just giving uh, Quill a pop- proper burial, which was nice. Nice moment at the end of the episode, um, you know maybe bury him on his home planet but whatever i i guess you you're too busy but you know it was it was nice they at least gave him a little bit of a proper burial um well, from there we go to the ship uh mando's getting set up to take off he sees that yoda up uh, that baby yoda is wearing the necklace that he gives kara uh you know he says here to keep the safe whatever he says to her um yoda's wearing it uh and kind of teething on it <laughs> just really you know really cute moment um mando says you know i didn't think i'd ever see this again uh you know why don't you keep it 
which was just again a really nice moment of you know saying like yeah you know you we are we are a clan of two you're 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 of my clan now you're you're part of this and um just you know i i really love the dynamic they're going with 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 baby yoda where they're really playing up the the two worlds that he's going to live in where he is this this you know race of jedi force sensitive type you know yoda ings yodlings but he's also going to be raised by the mandalorian and maybe even trained by the mandalorian you know obviously the armor says oh no he's too weak he would die but we know that's not true um and you know uh i i think that's just a really interesting dynamic that they're going to be able to play with as he grows up uh and as the show goes on you know a couple seasons so uh, I don't know, and and, and, every, and of course has prompted everyone who does uh, fan art online to draw Baby Yoda wearing Mandalorian armor, and the great debate of whether or not to have his ears sticking out of the armor or to have oh, it folded up I in the know. armor. I think you've you probably sent me like eight different versions <laughs> of it, and each one I'm like, okay, so he doesn't look cute anymore, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how you do the ears, and I don't really give a shit. They'll figure it out. But uh, they seem bendy. I, you can fold them. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to never see that adorable little face. No, no, no. Because he's wearing a fucking mask forever. <laughs> so I don't really, you know, I don't want it to. I don't think he's that orthodox either. You know, when when we get episode, was it uh, three? Yeah. Uh, and you get the whole the whole clan there. And they all in unison say, uh, this is the way. He never says it with them. He always says it. He repeats it. But he says it after they yeah. do almost like reluctantly. So, yeah, he he he's of them. But. Not quite as much, right? So we'll see how much that he uh, bestows that upon uh, Baby Yoda. I, I'm sure it'll be somewhat unconventional. Hopefully we get to see his... And, you know, the other thing is, like, now that they're family, technically, or family by creed, uh, Pedro can take his helmet off in front of Baby Yoda. Yeah, which is great. Because they're family. Lead to a lot so more we can acting from him. <laughs> see uh, see a little bit more of his face, a little bit more of his personality. Um I don't want to never. I don't. I don't think they would do a whole another season where we don't show his face that much. Yeah. Like it. It doesn't. It doesn't hold the same mystery yeah. now, right? And and we're trying to like you know kind of. He's such an emotive crack that egg. actor. Also, <laughs> he's such a visually emotive, like yeah. facially emotive actor that it, it's it's a waste to you know hide him under a mask the entire season. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and we get it. Like you, he's got this. You know, weapons are his religion, and you know, don't take the helmet off. But it's, it's everyone around him is trying to be like, "Hey, dude, like you could you could soften that edge a little bit, and it's not going to hurt you." <laughs> like you got you got to let some people into your to your world. Yeah, no, for sure. And obviously, you know, last uh, last Jedi realized uh, that you don't want to hide your emotive facial, facially emotive actor like Adam Driver behind a mask, which is why they smashed it. And then they immediately put it back together in Rise of Skywalker. But um, I just had to get one dig in. I had to get one. Dig. I, I went the whole podcast without making without making a Rise of Skywalker comment. Um, so, uh, well, uh, again, yeah. I love I love the moment where he he like debuts the uh the the repaired mask when he goes to like the born meeting and it's sort of like you gonna you gonna say anything about the mask like you know you know one one woman's like i like it i actually like it <laughs> it's kind of like is it does she really or is it just like oh the the boss has this thing on we round nosing pretend pretending exactly <laughs> so it, the, the moment played is comedy for me yeah no, me too. you know they 
in a way that wasn't corny. So I, I like that. Well, and that's actually one of the things and not to get you know too far on a tangent, but that's one of the things I liked about last Jedi and rise of Skywalker is they realized that the Imperials are kind of fucking goofy. Like they're not, they are kind of like comedy characters to an extent. Like it was ridiculous in the, in, in force awakens where they had Hux giving this like fucking, like, like super serious, like really over the top, like, Hitler speech before they blew up um, the planet. It was like, this is fucking goofy. Like this isn't intimidating, which is why in the second movie, they turned Hux into this really kind of goofy comedy character. And then JJ kind of carried that over into rise of Skywalker with, you know, him being the spy and the, the whole fucking, you know, hapless, you know, injured prisoner routine that he tries to pull. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that. that yeah. They kind of acknowledge that. Well, you've seen uh, you've seen Ex Machina, right? No, no, I haven't seen that. I, I've been meaning that's what? on my list. I know. I mean, my boy Oscar Isaac. Wanna... I love Oscar Isaac, so I got to see that movie. Well, it's, it's both of them. It's both of them. Hux. If you like the 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 banter between General Hux and and Poe from Last Jedi, you're gonna love Ex Machina because it's both of them, just the whole fucking huh. movie. I got to see that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely would. You really my do. Short list. You really do. Um. And you realize how good they are at acting because you completely will forget you're watching those same two actors <laughs> in this movie together. Yeah, it's just it's like what those are the same two guys. That's fucking crazy. That I you don't even recognize them. Yeah, and Oscar Isaac and, looks and very different just, in that movie, right? Oh yeah, well his head's shaved. Um, I mean it's it's like a buzz cut. It's not totally shaved, and he's got like a real full beard and and uh, wears glasses. Whereas uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays uh, General Hux and then the, the coat. Yeah, um, pretty much looks the same, but his character is so radically different that you just you don't you know, like you realize the the work they do as as actors um, is you know with, with all the special effects you forget what they really do, what they really bring to a film. Yeah, um, and, and then just you know really great sci fi for looking at the the ethics of AI. Mm. You know, when, once we get there, if we ever really get there, if we haven't already gotten there, uh, what are the ethics in creating an artificial intelligence? Yeah. Uh, you know, which which, of course, the first one's going to be for sex. <laughs> we got all just, I mean, re, you know, understand that, that you know, fucking robots going to be the first first thing we do with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then like 50 years from that, from that, whenever that's invented, they're, they're going to be like robot rape laws. And we're going to be like, Oh no, they, they have consciousness too. And they're pe-. like, it's going to be, it's going to be the the big social debate of like the next century is like robot consent and things like that. Oh, we got enough fucking problems. Now you're yeah, about like- fucking robot <laughs> sex oh, man. laws. Well, uh, um, anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, he, so that's, that's kind of the, where the episode ends, but of course we get the great little epilogue, which just really played like a post credit scene, but they did tack it on to the end of the episode proper, um, where, you know, some Jawas are trying to pick over the, the remnants of the Imperial, uh, the TIE fighter, Gideon's TIE fighter and relentless. They didn't even wait five minutes and they're just like, Oh, it's ours now. Come on. This, 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 this is their fuckers. fucking livelihood. This is all they do. They don't, they don't, they don't fucking work. They just go fucking scavenge right. shit from like, <laughs> it's like, an, it, it's like the fucking scene in, uh, in uh vacation where they're like taught where the guys like talking to them and the other guys are all like stripping the car of like it's rims and like the luggage on top and shit. Like, this is- Get at least in, Check and see if anyone survived that crash. I mean, that's just that's <laughs> just poor t- poor taste. It is. Um, and then of course we get 
the incredibly uh, shocking uh, shot of uh, Gideon cutting his way out of the ho- the cockpit with the dark saber. And, you know, we briefly spoke about what the significance of the dark saber is and the fact that he has it now, um, which means he's obviously, you know, uh, firsthand participated in the sack of Mandalore. Um, maybe force sensitive is certainly looking uh, for baby Yoda, maybe for personal reasons, you know, that, that that's, I think that's kind of something we can, that's implied with, you know, the fact that he's wielding a, a lightsaber of any kind means that he's either force sensitive or looking to become force sensitive. So, I mean, that's, it's very, the, the possibilities are very intriguing. I think going forward. Um, and again, I think the, the whole inquisitor thing seems kind of trivial, but if you do think of Yoda as like one of the few Jedi alive, like, you know, at this time, obviously not like a member of the order, but like, uh, you know, a, a potential future, extremely powerful Jedi. I think the possibilities of him trying to track him down and destroy him are really interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it, it, what an incredible episode, what an incredible season and an incredible way to end the episode uh, to get people, super psyched to see whatever the hell they do next with it. It, it. it really was. Um, I mean, the final end, you know, last scene there was, was icing on the cake. Although I, I would think I was the most shocked that, uh, tie fighters have no, uh, explosive bolts on their escape hatch. You'd think that that would be a thing. <laughs> You'd think that that would be a thing, you know, just a little get out of there, but, uh, nope, not nearly as dramatic as an exit as cutting your way through the hall with a fucking dark saber. So, very cool. Uh, just again, amazing photography. Um, not not even just cinematography, but you know, single frame shots. Uh, the way it's lit, the way you know, choosing great depth of field to tell the story to really focus your eye in one place or another. Um, great continuity editing. You know, really, really doing great storyboards and really uh, just you know having all your shots planned and locking it down or having it you know, be, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, not a lockdown shot. <laughs> yeah. Forgetting my, my film terminology, but there was never, I mean, there was a couple of shots where you're kind of like, ah, I wouldn't put the camera there. It's not where I would have shot that from. Um, but almost every shot it's like you, if you're not noticing the photography, right. That means they're doing it right. You're just purely focused on the action going on. Uh, and they did a great job of that. I'm, I'm really excited to see, how these, you know, especially the like the best couple of directors that hopefully they bring them back to keep working on this, uh, keep making it better. You know, this, this is just the first first time they've ever done this before, for the most part, on this kind of a budget. So, uh, yeah, knock on wood, they keep making good shit. And I, you know, again, like I, I don't think they fucked up the movies, the last three movies, the way a lot of people do. I, I don't think, think they, they fucked them up either. Those. You know, largely. Yeah. I, I, I have major issues with the last movie but even that i don't think it was fucked up. like I, I think all three of these movies are better than the prequels like no you know no question like i would watch any of those even rise of skywalker i would watch over any of the prequels because it's you know enjoyable at that scenes are enjoyable from it like that prequels are just i think people forget how fucking bad the prequels did you are. uh did you hear that uh apparently they 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 pulled hayden christensen down from his log cabin in canada to shoot scenes as a forest ghost for this and then cut him out see did you hear that i I, well i so i had heard rumors months ago that he was on set or like he was being filmed in it like for like as a forest ghost so i was like kind of looking forward to that uh 
and I actually thought like thematically that would have made a lot of sense because you know he this is a Skywalker saga and he is the one who brought balance to the force you know so I I just thought it would have been if if there was going to be one force ghost to show up I mean obviously they'd have Luke show up I would have liked to have seen him show up so I'm very curious where they shot that stuff with him and what who it was with apparently they they did have a version where it was like all the force ghosts show up in person when she's having her like but, yeah which is of, what i said i would have loved to have seen but maybe it didn't look yeah didn't look right on and camera. i was just like yeah that, that's that's like the the first thing an executive would think up kind of a kind of a thing and it's not then it's like she's not doing it on her own i'm, I'm glad they didn't go with that but you know, there's still other places you could have thrown in Hayden, but uh, he's just that, that that poor guy has taken so That's much fucking abuse. The meta reason why I would have wanted it, you know, he's so he's so Canadian, he just like won't say anything bad about any of it, and it's like, ah, oh, man. See, such like, a- <laughs> that's why like if there, if we had to see one force goes from all those Jedi at the end, I mean, obviously, uh, you and you and would have been nice, but it wouldn't have made sense because he died, you know, as, as Alec Guinness. Uh, you know, he's still like with the light side when he died as Alec Guinness. Um, Anakin would have yeah. been nice for meta reasons because he's uh, much like you know the guy who played Jar Jar and the kid who played Anakin. Like he's just taken an unbelievable amount of shit, and uh, his performance, you know in the third movie is really not bad. Like at times he's really not bad. He's got a a lot of really horrible clunky dialogue that he's got to make work. And I think he largely makes it work, uh, especially the stuff with Obi-Wan. Like I, it would just been nice to see him get a little bit of a, a redemptive moment in a better film, you know, like, Eh, maybe we'll get some deleted scenes. They'll throw it on the fucking DVD and we'll make everybody happy or release the jj cut oh so let's, let's protest outside of disney headquarters because we, have, so we, oh, we went off. from hating jj abrams to now lionizing jj abrams in the span of 72 hours and it's just like you fucking fans need to i'm still i'm still more firmly on the. <laughs> i don't i don't hate jj abrams but i'm still more firmly on the. i don't think he's that good of a filmmaker side of the aisle but yeah I, guys no no three-hour cut of this movie is going to make it any less you know, if you didn't like it any better or any more comprehensible, like, I don't think that's the movies get cut for a reason. Like they don't cut shit out of a movie because it was right. You know, uh, great, but they just want to, you know, uh, whittle it down. Like it's, it, it was cut for a reason if it was cut. And if you need a seven hour long story, you got the TV show, you got your Disney plus. There you you have our, our review of it, which was longer than the movie itself. You can go listen to our there review of it if you want yeah, a three-hour cut I think of this, it. This recording right now is longer than probably about half the season of Mandalorian. So yeah, enjoy, yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. So I think that does it for us. Uh, we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll be back whenever the Mandalorian comes back next Ugh. next fall. It can take its time. I'm I'm drained from talking about Star Wars, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a break. I need a break. I need to, to review some things that have nothing to do with laser swords or space, space wizards. Yeah. Space wizards. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And, and we'll have a nice little break. I think until the next season. Yeah. And I think, you know, if this season was any indication, next season's going to be even better because we've gotten through the kind of, the, the kind of fluff. And I think they're really off to uh, the main crux of where this season was with where the series was pointing the whole season, you know, like I think we're really going to get into it now. So uh, I can't wait. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it and we'll, we'll probably be here when it's, uh, when it's back. Maybe we'll be here for Obi-Wan too, depending on how, how that comes out. I'm sure that's going to be awesome. 
Yeah, and you know, obviously, we can we don't have to review every single one. We can double it up like we did this, uh, like this, uh, yeah, season two. So, um, but yeah, happy New yeah. Year, everybody. Uh, we are happy New Year. We are. Uh, if you like, if you like what you heard, and you want to hear our politics. Yeah, well, we got some other shows too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we do a main political podcast every um thursday move left idiots we just recorded one this week where we talked about the uh horrible tense situation in iraq and iran um we talked about bernie's fundraising for the quarter uh we talked about how the media finally realizes that he's gonna win they're freaking the fuck out uh a bunch of shit like that so go check that out uh same feeds that you're finding this in move left idiots on apple podcasts uh, and soundcloud.com slash move left. Obviously, rate and view, review and subscribe. That helps us out on Apple Podcasts. Um, we are on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash move left idiots. We're on Patreon if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash move left. Um, we have merch available at tinyurl.com slash move left merch. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Um, and I am not because I have been recently banned from Twitter yet again for my politics. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we will see you next time.